Hello and welcome to a TRK podcast looking at the Heineken Cup final of Saturday Just Gone. Final score there was La Rochelle winning by a point over Leinster in, I mean, what was probably one of the best Heineken Cup finals of all time. Um, I, I think that's fair enough to say without too much uh, accusations of uh, hyperbole. Looking at the game back a couple of times, you just got the appreciation for what a high-level contest uh, this actually was. Just some of the most physical, brutal, um, top-quality rugby I think you'll see anywhere. And I think it goes to show that, uh, certainly at the moment, the balance of power when it comes to where the elite level of the game is being played, uh, it's happening in the Northern Hemisphere, I think, consistently for the first time in, in, in some time. Um, but look, we, 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 we can't talk about this game without speaking about um, the absolutely monumental clash of styles that was almost like exaggerated the way that the game played out. Um, I spoke beforehand about how a lot of what this game would, would, would be playing out as would be La Rochelle's on-ball game versus Leinster's counter-transition game. And uh, somebody asked me last night to explain what counter-transition actually is and it's something I've been mentioning I know I've mentioned it a few times and I've explained it a few times but we had a lot of new subscribers what counter-transition is and and this is what Leinster and Ireland do to a certain extent is that uh, Leinster will kick long for position right so when they have possession in and around the you know just outside their 22 for example you'll see and you go back and you watch this game they will kick the ball long looking for open field right now they don't always get open field but they will kick for space right and they will normally kick long now if you look at Leinster's um their their meters per kick they almost always outkick their opponent and they almost always from a, a, a when we're talking about distance they, they they kick further than them per kick and on an, on an individual kick you will see um Leinster when they when they are kicking they rarely box kick um, because, like, you know, and I'm talking about those short, mid-range, uh, contestable box kicks. They rarely do that. If they do box kick, which they do, I mean, Gibson Park does box kick, it's normally long. And they will look to try and extend the field. So when they kick, and Ross Byrne here in the second half in particular was hugely exaggerated, they launch the ball downfield and keep it infield. Right, if they can go and, and you know for fifty twenty two for example, that's generally something that Leinster will go after a little bit more than other teams. To be honest, they like they they have a few line out schemes and scrum schemes that they use to try and generate that position. But when they kick, they kick in field for the most part, unless they're under pressure in their own twenty two, and then they look to try and boot that ball off the field and get a reset. Um, the reason why they do that is, is they play off your reaction. To the kick so I think a good example of it if, if you were to kind of uh, explain to somebody in terms of soccer if they understand kind of to a, a certain level soccer tactics the what Leinster play is a bit like what Liverpool used to play with Jurgen Klopp uh, the Gegen press that's a little bit what Leinster do where um, certainly on their phase play their choice for the most part is to kick long if they're in their own half of the field for the most part what they do then is they meet whoever runs the ball back hard on that transition defense gain line. You look at their team, their makeup is perfectly suited suited to running that style. Um, just to give an idea, Ringrose, Henshaw, O'Brien, Keenan, um, James Lowe, Josh van der Fleer, Caelan Doris, all these guys are excellent transition defenders. Like the best thing that Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw do, in my opinion, is their defense and transition defense. It's not kick pressure. If you look at what the South African team of 2019 did, who like as in brought kick pressure to, you know, to to its zenith, I suppose. It's similar to what France have done, except in a, in a different way. Um, what kick pressure does is it doesn't necessarily demand the ball ends on the defensive set, right? What Leinster are ultimately looking for is for you to kick the ball back to them. Their middle defence with the likes of Porter, with the likes of Sheehan, with the likes of uh, James Ryan in particular, like, they're really good at making the, the middle of the field difficult to get. So the natural position then afterwards for the opposition is to kick the ball back to Leinster. That's what Leinster are running for. They want that kickback. This is what the counter 
transition is. They counterattack on your transition. So as you're transitioning from defending them to managing the next, you know, the, the, the moment of between attack and defense as you run back the kick they've given you, when you hit that back to them or if they win a breakdown penalty, that's where they put the most amount of heat on their breakdown. Defensive breakdown is on the transition. Um, they will look to try and rip in the tackle. They will go really, really high intensity press on those moments. And it's all happening in your half. So they move the ball into your half of the field. You have to play there. And that's when their high intensity defense comes in. And you'll see you know, blitzes and you know edge blitzes from the likes of Henshaw and Ringrose. And the backfield is generally really well covered by the likes of Sexton, by the likes of Keenan, uh, or by the likes of Lowe. And what Leinster do when that ball comes back is... They can either attack and look for mismatches. Their pass quality, once they get to 10, is generally really good. They can find guys in open space and catch mismatches. Like What I'm talking about here is is that if a prop, for example, um, is a kick guard and he's kind of running a slower line up the field after the kick that the opposition have given back to Leinster... um, that's a mismatch. Leinster are very good at finding guys like that who are maybe dropping a little behind the press line, who are not keeping up with the line of the transition. They're really good at identifying those guys, creating line breaks. All of a sudden, they have a try scored from nowhere. But when Leinster are kind of in that mood, it feels like all you're doing is chasing after a bouncing ball with your fucking back to the opposition, running to your own try line, turning around and there's like Vander Fleer or you know Jimmy O'Brien or Ringrose or whoever it is in your face and you're under pressure and you're swinging the boot out what happens you give Leinster lineouts which is ultimately I think their biggest strength in this game is the lineout in the opening part of this game they scored just looking at the the actual live report here of this where they scored pretty much the majority of their tries inside the first 11 minutes of this game um, which is remarkable when you think about it they came from two line out positions one directly from the from the fucking kickoff and from pressurising kicks uh, on the La Rochelle fullback Bryce Dulan. Um it was exactly the way that Leinster would have wanted to start this game literally perfection um when you give leinster lineouts to work with they hurt you every single time and like i think the opening part of this game was la rochelle struggling to live with the pressure of the moment i feel because i cannot believe that the team they start with the back five they started with was not designed for like that they like they basically designed that for um, it's keeping the ball in field defending Leinster off ball if needs be early on and looking to try and build into the game that way this was not a back five for competing at the lineout. they gave Leinster so much lineout possession in the early going of this game and that to me is always a mistake because Leinster's strike plays are the best thing they do without doubt I think to the point where their general phase play has gone back a bit this season, I feel, because the work they've done, obviously, under set piece seems to have taken precedence. Their phase play, I think, is at a, is at a low ebb, relatively speaking, for Leinster, because they're almost at such a concentrated level now of so much uh, efficiency with regards to how they use possession. A lot of the time when that happens, you can almost think yourself into, well, why aren't we kicking this? If kicking leads to these positive results, why are we spending two or three phases that we don't need to run in our own half of the field? Are we not better off putting that ball down into their half of the field and doing what we're comfortable with? The problem here in this game was is that that worked inside the first 15 minutes. But after that, and especially when you look at Leinster's defensive work as they tried to make the most of the counter-transition, they're counter-rucking, they're tackling the intensity that they started that game with, um, even at, especially I would say at the counter-ruck, was unsustainable. There was no way that could have worked for the full 80 minutes. Not Like, no chance. And that's where I feel the opening 15 minutes from Leinster was probably the best you'll ever see them play, but in a way 
was a ferric victory of sorts because the ex- energy expenditure, 1 to 15, never seen the like of it. They're, like, they're, they're counter-rocking the intensity of everything that they were doing. It felt like there was a palpable feeling of a dip. Normally, when Leinster gets a guy yellow carded, or a, a player gets yellow carded, we'll say, um, you look at it and you go, well, look, they now will fly into this game now and they'll put it out of sight. What was it? Uh, Kerr Barlow got a yellow card um, on the 10th minute. Uh, Leinster scored soon afterwards and you got the feeling this is going to be um, like they're going to really fucking hammer home this now and it'll be game over by 20 minutes very much a possibility even then even though it didn't exactly go the way they they, they, they had had planned it to it was still 17-0 at that point which is game over for most teams against Leinster um, but for the next 10 minutes um, it felt that even though La Rochelle were down a man it felt that Leinster were struggling to keep up with the intensity of the game at that point. That opening 10-minute salvo was as intense as you'll ever see in this game. Nobody could have lived with it. Um, I think if you do want to live with it, you can't give them the line-out possession that, that La Rochelle did. But La Rochelle's management of that 10-minute period won the game for them. They actually ended up uh, winning that uh, 10 minute period uh, 7 points to 5 so that kept got him right back into the game now Leinster scored 2 penalties in the aftermath of that uh, 1 or 2 of them were soft enough but they had worked themselves out to a 23-7 lead at that point which was a look coming up up at half time that's an incredibly difficult mountain for La Rochelle to overhaul uh, at that point but as the the last 10 minutes of that half kind of wore on yeah, look, uh, Ross Byrne, but they put it out to twenty three. Uh, it was twenty. I think it was twenty three seven on the half hour mark. I felt at that point that Leinster were really starting to drop, and that they needed half time in a fucking serious way. Um, when La Rochelle scored, I think with the thirty seven minute was uh, Suteni f- strolled in. To be honest, um, after again lots of really good phase play possession from La Rochelle. I had a bad feeling for Leinster watching it. Um, it felt to me that they had to score first at the start of the second half or they would lose. I was talking to a friend of mine on WhatsApp and I was saying, like he was saying, oh look, 23-14 is a big lead. And I was like, fuck it, I don't know. Like I could see La Rochelle winning it from here because all it would take is one penalty and then La Rochelle are right back in it. And just the... I suppose just the the pressure of the moment and the fact as well that I think that Leinster were redlining from around 20 minutes on they would need to start the second half with the same sort of intensity but the problem is is that La Rochelle did not give them the typical in that teams typically do when you're playing Leinster and this is something that I've I've learned very recently a lot of the stuff that you would look at as being markers for when Leinster lose are not actually the markers. I've spoken about this before. You have a high percentage chance of beating Leinster if you keep their number of lineouts below 10. You have a very high percentage chance of beating them at the moment. Um, La Rochelle, in, when it came to the winning of this game, limited Leinster to two lineouts. Without that, Leinster had no means to advance up the field. And one of their lineouts was a, ended up being charged down uh, when they tried to exit to get it to Ross Byrne because they just wanted that ball and they wanted La Rochelle at arm's length. It looked like a fight between a heavyweight boxer and a middleweight boxer where the middleweight wants to keep distance with the heavyweight whereas the heavyweight wants to keep that fight real close. He wants that middleweight boxer right in front of him. That's a good way to understand how La Rochelle approached the game, actually. I think where Munster are looking to go. Where you want, if, as the heavyweight, you don't necessarily want to be putting a whole lot of air in the ball for the majority of your kicks, because you will have to kick, and, and, and La Rochelle certainly did here. You want to keep that opponent right in front of you. 
So you box kick short and contestable because you want to challenge them in the air because you're happy to take a scrum if needs be. And the scrum was another factor in the game here also. But you're looking to make sure that they can't get away from you, that they can't extend their lines too far back from you because you want that contact. You want to take them on physically. And La Rochelle certainly went there as well. It was an incredibly physical game. But the reason why I think that Leinster were so badly fucked physically from that first half was that any possession they got in the second half, straight away they were dipping back and getting air on the ball and putting it long downfield, looking to lengthen the field essentially and get La Rochelle running back further. Again, if you're a heavyweight team, you don't want to be moving too far forward, chasing kicks backwards and forwards. You will try to keep it short as much as possible. La Rochelle in the second half did not just kick back those those uh, those uh, counter transition starters from Leinster. Bryce Dulan ran them back. You would see you know you know a play action from the likes of Dylan Lades, from the likes of Raymond Rule on the, on the edges. Again, buying time. You're looking to try and set a position so that your heavy rotation of forwards can come in, and you can start to roll through the phases on the you know through Will Skelton, through you know their front row who I thought played incredibly well. Um, they really help you retain the ball. Like you look at the carries that they had here: Gregory Aldred at 17, Levania Botia had eight, Skelton had 12. He's a guy who just wins collisions. Like he only made 13 meters total, right? But he's almost impossible to dispossess and he draw and like and he draws in at least two defenders so like when you have that sort of a, a, like a, a game winner or a gain line winner like that like and again you look at how um their front row carried the ball like Leinster for example like Tyke Furlong carried the ball twice right made eight tackles during his 44 minutes in the field uh, Porter carried the ball six times in the end in the majority, and they were actually front-loaded to certain areas. Like, Sheehan carried the ball three times. Like, Leinster were locked out of this game. The physicality of La Rochelle is something, but this is a tactical issue for Leinster also, where I think they understand that, like, because this is the thing, and there's been a lot of criticism about Leo Cullen, about Stuart Lancaster in the aftermath of this defeat. Some of it is warranted. Look, if you're with the resources Leinster have, they've been favourites all year. They've like won all around them coming up to this game. They dispatched Toulouse. And like one of the reasons why I think people think, oh, well, look, Leinster struggle when it comes to heavyweight teams. Toulouse are every bit as big as La Rochelle, if not bigger, right? Like the reason why I think Toulouse consistently beat La Rochelle for the majority is because La Rochelle play on-ball rugby, which means that Toulouse play off-ball rugby. Toulouse are better at off-ball rugby than they are at the on-ball style they try to do whenever they play Leinster. They are not conditioned to play it. They're not built to play it. Certainly not to the level that Leinster would look to try and encourage them. So Leinster beat them almost every time as of late. But from a style perspective, like... I don't think that Toulouse are any bigger or more physical than La Rochelle are. It's just the tactical mashup between what Leinster do and what La Rochelle do is instinctively, I think, a bad matchup for Leinster. And that seemed to be total bullshit for the first, we'll say, 10 or 15 minutes of this game. But like I said, I think that comes down to just a bad start from La Rochelle. Um, I think basically doing almost the opposite of what they would have schemed beforehand, which is let's not give these guys a ton of lineouts. Let's keep the ball in play. Let's make them play. Because um, I think if you look at the start of the, the final last year, which I went back and I watched as well, it was largely the same. A lot of the lead that Leinster got in, in, in that final came from lineout. Um, La Rochelle kept giving them position discipline was a problem like I've heard a lot of stuff about Jacko Paper in the in the aftermath of this game look thing is with Jacko anybody who's been refereed by him knows that if he fucks you in the first half you'll start getting decisions in the second half regardless like you look at the um, I think it was around 30 minutes in um, La Rochelle conceded 6 penalties to Leinster's 2 I don't buy for a second that Jacko cost Leinster or fucked them over here not by a long shot they had enough possession they had enough position they had enough penalties in the first half to put that game out of sight 
they didn't I think that's going to be the big problem for them um, watching the game back like their own review of it will be they played as well as they could possibly pay, play inside the first 15 minutes and then had nothing left for the remainder or a decreasing amount but I will say this also we cannot separate James Ryan going off with a and a completely accidental by the way um, HIA to be replaced by Jason Jenkins permanently that was a killer for Leinster in this game um, I spoke beforehand about how their bench rotation would be Jenkins on for Maloney alongside James Ryan to have Ryan do the full 80 now I don't think that he would have been capable of keeping the intensity that he was playing with for the first 20, 20 minutes up for the entire game he would have had to take a step back at some point look that's that is what it is but when he went off the field permanently inside the first 30 minutes that was a critical a critical uh, damage point for Leinster because Jason Jenkins is look a good player and I think during his time at Munster I think we saw the very best of him in games that were not of the highest importance I remember watching him in a pub down in Castle Gregory watching him play uh, it was Munster against Cardiff and he came off the bench in that game and looked like a fucking titan bullying Cardiff winning breakdown turnovers driving forward in the scrum huge mall presence um, and thought fuck it this guy he's been injured for so long what a guy to have back fit um, but as we saw in the games that were to come in the aftermath of that uh, the big European Cup games he wasn't starting them and this was in a you know in a situation where we were without RG Snayman and we needed power we badly needed it in the front five but he was not picked to start and I think the reason being is is that I think the read on him was look we can get him on the field late in the game his power will help us but when there's a massive fight when you need some fellas to dig in for you he's not that guy and that was the read that I'd heard there was a few people as well a little bit you know not pissed off but wondering why it was taking this guy so long to get back from you know the, the, the hamstring injuries that were there there was a bit of a you know what's his rehab like why is he you know what, why is that not going quicker injuries take however long they take but at a certain point as a pro rugby player certainly as a forward front five forward in particular you need to show toughness and like watching the game back I've watched a fair bit of it you know the thing I'm on a third watch back now time after time I'm seeing moments where Jenkins is getting bullied this is the guy they signed to avoid that and the same thing happened again Leinster's performance levels when he came on the field were night and day different to James Ryan now I've been a fairly consistent critic of James Ryan but when I, when I say that he's been playing good rugby this year certainly since you know the, the the six nations physical aggressive and look inaccurate in a lot of his rock entries to be honest he's a, a kind of a he's a high volume low efficiency uh, breakdown guy but he's aggressive he like he wins collisions defensively um he was a, a big counter rock presence today or in, in this game for, for Leinster prior to going off good line out guy um they missed him so badly after he went off the field and, and I think in theory it should have worked like Ross Maloney alongside Jason Jenkins should should really have worked you know like there's no reason why that shouldn't have worked but I think it comes back to, to Jenkins that good player good guy um, but not the guy you want going toe to toe with Skelton for 50 odd minutes you know when you've got a, a European Cup final to, to, to lock out essentially I saw a lot of inefficient breakdown entries um, poor tackles not involved in the game physically but you know that kind of happens and I think it's a it's a learning point for Leinster where I think they'll genuinely look and say could we have gotten more out of uh, Joe McCarthy on the bench um, but that's for you know like that, that, that that's gonna have to work itself out over the next season or two but I think when you're looking at the game um, second half 
six points was never enough really for Leinster that's kind of what it came down to at points and I think that with the way La Rochelle were pressurising Leinster physically territorially um, Leinster needed hands on the ball they needed to start pressurising La Rochelle um, to try and just turn the tide but like this is kind of where it comes back to you can't do what you don't do like Leinster's default game is if they have possession in and around their own 10 metre line they kick long down the field they start their counter transition sets and they just did not have the same pop on in the carry they did not have the same level of physicality the chase wasn't at the level that it was at for those first 15-20 minutes and when you're when you when you're not able to affect your transition defense to the same level of of intensity that it's normally at you're just kicking the ball away and i think that's where people you know sort of get this like where leinster had uh, they actually had a, a negative pass per carry ratio they had a 0.9 pass per carry ratio they scored their tries like i said off the back of set piece so they didn't they didn't have to do a whole lot of phase play but they've been kind of reducing that you know, certainly when it, you know, I think when it, when you look at their their game state when they play against a team who are a bad matchup for them, Munster were ended up being a bad matchup for Leinster last week. This weekend, La Rochelle were the ultimate bad matchup for Leinster in that physically in defence. Um, once La Rochelle decided that they weren't going to overcompete at the breakdown, that took away a lot of Leinster's penalty access that they were getting fairly regularly um, La Rochelle's discipline cleaned up for the most part and like I suppose that's kind of the indictment now that'll be put on to Goodman I suppose who was their kind of attack coach this year Lancaster will probably get the, the most of the press heat because he's leaving but I look at their phase play in this game was probably the biggest disappointment because like any chance they got and they, like they had a few possessions in the, in the second half for sure I kept thinking fuck it they've got to get their hands on this they've got to try and go through a few phases but then I'm thinking like but they don't do that like their game is kick long pressure to kick um, get a line out La Rochelle didn't buy it even when they were exiting with the fucking game clock like the, the clock on red or, or coming close to it like they were not getting the ball off the field they exited to the touchline like they were looking to get length on it I'm sure if it had gone out they would have lived with it but they're happy enough defending I think it went after the turnover um, they had a knock on I think uh, La Rochelle exited but it stayed in field I think they were happy enough to do that you don't want to give Leinster a chance to run the most heavily scripted line out game and they've got such a menu to work from like I think I said it on the, the, or the, the TRK radio like they don't have a problem replacing Sexton when it comes to their running of the set plays that they have. Ross Byrne is exactly the guy to run those. He knows them inside out. He knows exactly where he's be- he's supposed to be to the fucking footstep. And he runs them really, really well. And everybody knows their role. They're really dangerous there. La Rochelle, when they took Leinster's line out of the game, Leinster just, again, didn't seem to have all that much which is a surprise really when you think about Leinster but like this is what La Rochelle's game did to them but also I think you can't take out the fact that that Leinster were also suffering physically at that point also they'd been through a ton of defence and they had a huge high intensity first half or first I'd say we'll say 15-20 minutes they seemed to not recover from that and all of a sudden they're starting to soak tackles but they weren't again I will say this they weren't using their bench either um, Andrew Porter did 78 minutes Dan Sheen did 70 minutes um, Furlong did not play well like he looked really out of it for the first half watching back it just felt like he was a bit of a passenger which again when you think about Tyke Furlong you think that's fucking how could that be but looked to, to me to be again kind of struggling in the scrum um, I suppose we don't associate that with, 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 with Leinster we see them using their depth but they really didn't do that here um, Kelleher getting 10 minutes to me was weird um, I know they, they, they like Dan Sheehan they, they like what he brings from a line perspective his ball carrying his defence like he won Dan Sheehan won one breakdown turnover one of the best breakdown turnovers you'd ever see when it comes to the physical pressure that was on him um, that's why they keep him on you know 
but um, I'm just looking at their their use of the bench. There was no Frawley. Natai came on, did well, but that was for an injury. Like, would he have come on if Henshaw hadn't been injured? It felt that they were like limiting themselves to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just think looking at how the game played out, it just felt that Leinster they didn't do it to themselves, but tactically, I felt that this was a really concerning note when it comes to their use of counter-transition as to how dependent they seem to be here when it comes to their face play on the opposition giving them back favourable possession on Leinster's terms. When La Rochelle stopped doing that, Leinster really struggled to put to put anything together. And like, like they still have a really high pass quality, but it felt like, and I think that the numbers kind of, kind of, you know, like they kind of bear this out, that you didn't really see a whole lot of, um, of Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw from an offensive perspective. Like, they're listed down here. Now, I understand, like, sometimes with this stuff that uh, passes uh, and the, the metrics that can, that can get used, they're, they're not fully accurate or they can be inaccurate. But, like, there's nobody here outside James Lowe, Henshaw, Ringrose, and Jimmy O'Brien and Hugo Keenan. They are not listed for one single pass in this game. Not one. Ross Byrne is down for nine passes. This is like, like they're ridiculously low numbers. And it felt that after Leinster's start, which was just huge, like incredibly hard to live with, high efficiency rugby. It felt that after that, they were just almost, like I said, a little bit too focused on keeping La Rochelle at arm's length, as in play from back there. Not really realizing that for, for, for La Rochelle, they don't see high possession rugby as being inefficient. Like, you'll see this with Munster as well, where sometimes we get to an edge of a play and things can look a bit scrappy, where guys are kind of throwing offloads and they're, like, things are looking, like, out of control almost. But that's that's part of the game. Like, that, like that, that is part of what Munster are trying to do. For La Rochelle, it's quite the same. There's a few moments where, and it's always going to happen in a game, where Leinster get um, good defensive pressure on, there's a bit of a scramble. But on-ball teams, like, they're happy enough to play that. Like, I think one of the things that's been a constant this season um, is, like, that Denster don't really use a whole lot of offloads. It's not that they never do it, but relatively speaking, they don't throw a lot of them because they don't get into those situations where they're kind of scrambling and have to reset because by that stage, usually Leinster will have kicked the ball. They will be looking to play efficiently. And I think that kind of came back to hurt them here a small bit because, like, you look at the end game, like, where... Um, La Rochelle took the lead really really late a, a, an incredibly tough way to lose a game especially a game of this of the hype and expectation that was coming in in it but I think at that stage it was it had almost come down to an inevitability it was almost the exact same as the last 10 minutes of, of the last game last season um, it just felt that they were almost not drawing La Rochelle onto them but it kept looking like that La Rochelle were they were on top in the mall, they were on top in the scrum, and it felt that like they would get there eventually. They were only six points down. Like and that's where I think that control of the ball is the most important part of of I think where the game is going. Like La Rochelle are a great example of on ball rugby. And I think like that Leinster will have to try and go to a style that reflects that. Um but it's easier said than done. Like the players they have, the halfbacks they have are conditioned for that game where you're playing on transition. When it comes to like playing on ball possession rugby, you have to have a very high pass quality nine and ten. You know, and I think that's kind of the big elephant in the room, so to speak. Um, where you're looking at I suppose what Leinster have at the moment is perfectly dialed in to the players that they have. And I think that that's probably like the biggest compliment that you could pay them is that it's 100% dialed in 
to the players that they have. And this is not just this season or last season. This has been building for seasons upon seasons. I mean, since Lancaster first came in, they've been building to an element of this. It started off with, with Sexton, you know, as he's aged, they've kind of adapted this with him. But I think the players who've come up and the players that, that, that they have both forwards and backs are conditioned to playing this now. And you look at the centrally contracted players they have too. I mean, they are what they are for the time being, you know. And I think it's it's always possible for a team to change. Munster changed in in one season, pretty much. Now we're not we're nowhere near where I think we're going to go, but like that's what we've been building towards. And I suppose that's kind of the, I suppose the big kind of I suppose negative takeaway that you, that you could look at it from a Leinster perspective is that when La Rochelle really put it up to them from a physical perspective, um, Leinster's default game only brought more of La Rochelle onto them if that makes sense um, but yeah no, I, I think to a certain extent like I said, I've had a few questions like people asking about the scrum the mall um, why didn't Leinster compete more in, in the line out honestly I think they were under such physical pressure from La Rochelle and the mall I think that it was just very difficult for them to make that decision to go into the air knowing that if they missed that La Rochelle with the power they have and, and uh, even just the technique they have it's not just that they're like a big team because you look at you look at Toulouse like Toulouse's mauling is actually fairly sloppy for a team of their reputation but I'm looking at La Rochelle just everything about their their builds everything about their setup their grips really really technically fantastic and they got caught a few times alright with a few truck and trailers in the first half in particular but in the second half in particular like they were really leaning on them and Leinster were struggling to live with them there and when you look at the scrum as well that only that, that only aided in La Rochelle's game because La Rochelle when they saw how well the scrum would have been going they were only encouraged more they carried the ball more because like Leinster were beginning to really struggle to nail down both sides of, of, of their of their the, the put in both on, on, on La Rochelle's and Leinster's um, Porter got a really tough time um, won a penalty to be honest that I can honestly say is a cast iron penalty to La Rochelle in the first half. He had a tough day of it with Uni Antonio and then later with um, uh, Henri Colombe. But that's kind of like you you would expect that, you know, like that's something that we've I think we bake into the expectations now where Porter's game isn't hinging on whether the scrum goes well or it doesn't go well, because if he comes under pressure from a big, heavy, tight head, he will like he will struggle like there was a few in the second half where I think Leinster got turned over on their own put in and Colomb was destroying Porter like he had him pretzeled like uh, Porter was all the way tilted in like as in his shoulders were actually angling down to the ground like that's how dominant Colomb was in that moment and I keep saying that the scrum doesn't matter it, it kind of doesn't matter up until it does and I don't think the scrum was a deciding factor for, for La Rochelle or Leinster in this game but it was on the verge of it and that's kind of concerning as we head to the World Cup um, but like a lot of the questions as well focused on why didn't Leinster go for a drop goal right at the end uh, look I don't think that's in Leinster's I don't think they have I don't think they scheme for that they had a few opportunities in this game uh, from the 76th minute on where they could have set up a drop goal moment. They had space for it. They had even position for it at times. It was just really, like, on the one hand, brave because they had an opportunity to kick a penalty after Jonathan Dante got the yellow card, and rightfully so, for a, uh, you know, riding up shot on, on Kaelin Doris. Um, I think I thought it was a decent angle for a right-footed kicker, but if the kicker doesn't fancy it, you go down the line. And the, but the thing is, going down the line was actually nearly more high risk because at that point uh, Keller had been yellow carded, so it was Van der Fleer throwing in. That to me is just um, as high risk as as taking a penalty from that range. Now, you can go back and forth in it. Personally, I'm thinking, given how tight the game is, and given that if you miss they have to kick off from the 22 I would go for the go for the points he's landed big kicks before I know it's at a it's not at his preferred angle because he's a right footed kicker but like he would have had the entire you know goal post to aim for he was like that was on body side right but I don't know I think I think in that moment 
they backed themselves look that Josh will throw will, will land the line out first he did that we can maul them we can put them under pressure and we can actually score tries because that's what Leinster like once I think if you give Leinster a line out and at that stage I, I don't think Ross Byrne got the most distance out of it either I think they would have still backed themselves give us that ball where it's 14 versus 14 they're down a midfielder we can score tries here and I think that's what their idea behind it was but obviously it didn't work and I think that like you can't look at it not working and then decide oh it was a bad idea because it didn't work and they lost they had more than enough possession and position to score the try that they needed like there was a moment there where I think it's Will Skelton is fucking holding in uh, Jamison Gibson Park so he actually can't pass the ball to Ross Baird or Ross Baird Ryan Baird who's the only fella guarding him as Antoine Hastoy in around 5 metres of space 2 metres out from the try line if that goes to Ryan Baird that's a try in the corner Leinster win this game Will Skelton if I was giving 5 star ratings for this Will Skelton would get 5 stars Gregory Aldrich would get 5 stars um, they were again just outstanding both of them Jonathan Dante I felt was very good as well Hastoy did what he needed to do ran the plays really well um, but yeah no look I, I think that it's such a close game that when your people are talking about bottling it look Leinster did bottle a 17-0 lead 100% I think they went into their shell a little bit that's partly like to an extent like I could say look it's not really going into their shell because look their game is to kick the ball to you anyway right now they started doing that a fair bit um, and La Rochelle then just kind of tightened up what had gone wrong in the first 20 minutes they were always going to come back but I think 17-0 at home like they'll be gutted like they I, I think they internally they will say we fucking bottle that and for it to happen two years in a row to the same opposition is damaging it does ask questions about the the coaching the prep some of the some of the talk coming into the game to me kind of said fucking this shit's a mile wide and an inch deep you know like the the stuff about the stars I think is weighing on Leinster a little bit now like it's almost taken on a life in its own outside of just winning the trophy you know and I think that needs to be addressed there's new coaches coming in like they're bringing in Jacques Nienabar he will bring fresh perspectives as well um but yeah no I, I think it certainly is a damaging loss I think anybody who says it is not look as is their right of course look I think that like just practically speaking it's damaging for Leinster given how favoured they were given how well they've played all season long to be finishing with no trophies given the expectation like expectation like that like that is what sets pressure um, like Leinster to an extent were kind of playing shadow boxing all the way until the end of the season which is that's kind of where they're at now where winning the regular season and, and winning knockouts in, in Europe up until you get to the final against whoever like that's kind of the only games that they're being judged on now which is unfair but that's kind of where they're at and it's like there's not much you can do in Leinster's situation there except get over the hump against those teams and there's I, I'm hearing stuff about like that you know oh well, look the URC isn't challenging them or whatever else and like to an extent they're right because like teams legitimately do duck Leinster during the regular season because for most of the teams in in the in the uh, URC and even in the European pools their seasons aren't defined by what they do away to Leinster right loads of teams will send shadow sides to the RDS to play Leinster because what they do doesn't win or die. It, like it, 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 none of it is it hinges on beating Leinster at home like for the Irish provinces at Interpros it's different the expectations are different I don't think the Interpros could be said to be you know oh that they're not a challenge for Leinster I think this season they were for the most part but I think looking at um, you know the, the rest of the teams in the league like they look at Leinster as being a week they skip for the most part like on some occasions you can feel that well look if we get Leinster at the end of January, they'll be losing a lot of test guys, the test guys that have been playing the last number of weeks in Europe. So maybe if we get a bit of dispensation, we can keep some of our test guys, if you're like a Welsh team or um, uh, a Scottish team or whatever else, and we can we can have a pop off them in um we can have a pop off them in, in in at home or whatever else but if you're in the rds they won't bother you just go fuck it we'll just leave them off and we'll catch them the next time or whatever you know because like most like we only only like the irish teams play leinster twice so like you only have to play leinster once in the, in the current system so 
unless you're really looking for a statement win for your group and you can almost it depends on the schedule like if you're playing Leinster first up like what they like to do typically is load up their test guys for the first number of weeks to set a good start for the season like and they've done that the last two years but like if you're we'll say Edinburgh right if you're looking to try and get into the top you're looking to finish top of the Scottish Shield that's like playing Leinster home or away is not really massively important for you like so you going all out in that game and looking to try and give them a fucking as as tough a game as you possibly can with your best team I mean it's rare enough teams to do that and like because again it's like you don't want to expose yourself to get getting beaten up by Leinster at that age or at, at that stage of the season like and to an extent they're not getting challenged in that regard like I think the Interpros are quite tight but again there's different player rotation minutes that are involved there as well and to be honest I think a lot of the teams now who might be challenger teams with Leinster understand that well fuck it we'll try and catch them in the knockouts because the biggest X factor here is that this is the majority of the Ireland team who lost this game like 13 out of this star- out of this team could easily start for Ireland in the Six Nations or in the World Cup first game this could be the team that starts and the Six Nations is a wild card here is because they will have to go through that Six Nations and as we've seen with Andy Farrell over the last number of years he works those guys like the level of of you know rotation that's there is non-existent so if you're a challenger team to Leinster you're thinking like fuck you know going hard at him during the regular season wait until the knockouts because at that stage most of those guys will have five Six Nations game uh, under their belt they'll be coming into the knockouts like they'll have to rotate minutes guys will be coming in cold at some point catch them there and I think that's what people are looking at and I think there is there is something to the fact that they're not getting prepared by it but that's almost it's almost a function of their own strength during the regular season over the last number of years and the schedule that's there like there's no reward for going all out against Leinster for the most part there's only punishment so I think that if you're looking at like some of that stuff is excuse making but I think there is a kernel of truth there as well because you are looking at you know Leinster coming in and looking you know coming in cold in in these games and and not being able to finish out high pressure encounters like the Munster game and then like this one it was the same last year La Rochelle last year and then the Bulls brought something to them that they just they weren't expecting and they again they were rotating Johnny Sexton was on the bench for that Ross Byrne started so look it's there is something to that but not as much as what people say and I don't think it's for the reasons they would like to say it which is that oh it's the URC is weak so we are weak it's it's not even that it's just that the way they have to manage their squad and, and like this is a choice that they've made and some of it comes down to international commitments also is that they have to have two teams and I think that when you have two teams like that you have a lot of guys to keep happy you have a lot of guys to keep on side which means that you've got to play certain guys in certain games and when you don't that leads to the separation between oh the top team and then whatever the fuck we are which again can be damaging and can lead to negative results on field so like you know I think that's something that's that, that there is something too but I'm not sure if it's the be all and end all of it and finally a lot of people are talking about Ross Byrne why he didn't set up for that penalty why he didn't go for a drop goal and what it means about him going forward Ross Byrne's a good player good kicker um, he is for the Leinster system perfect like what, like there is a, there's a reason why they didn't bring in like Kieran Frawley or Harry Byrne when like Ireland in particular would have loved Kieran Frawley to get a ton of minutes at 10 this year the reason why they love Ross is because he does the, what exactly what they want like he knows their line out schemes inside out he knows the plays he's like got a good accurate boot not just off the tee but when he's like tactically kicking which is a huge part of what Leinster do he's a relatively accurate passer the whole idea of him not being a massive on-ball threat is actually negated by the fact that Leinster don't require him to be that. They don't require Sexton to be that either. He's still more of a threat, I would say, than, than Ross Byrne. But the Leinster system that they have is more based on efficiency, and he is very efficient. So, like, what they want from him really is, can you kick accurately? Can you run our line-out schemes? Can you run our scrum set pieces? Can you run a screen? He can do all of those things. In games like this, when you need him to dominate the game I feel that that's not his character as a rugby player 
to, to kind of bring that to a game of this stature um, like and I think that there's no shame in that guys are what they are um, but like I, I think it, it could damage him potentially but to be fair with Sexton I mean there was a bit of drama about him afterwards as well which I'll get to in a second but to be fair if, if, if Sexton is out for the World Cup like I think they probably will go with Ross because he is the guy that they've been baking into that for the last while since the, since the Australia game I think if they wanted to go all in on Jack Crowley they probably should have like back in November um, they were still very reluctant to do that I mean Ross Byrne was the guy who was put onto the bench for the vast majority of the games where uh, he was where Sexton was fit and available so that, that's kind of they are where they, where they are on that you kind of you make your decisions and you know once the bus takes off and it comes to a World Cup cycle once you get to the year before it's kind of set in stone like there's not going to be radical changes made one way or the other um, and finally on the Sexton thing like there's a lot of stories going on at the moment but either way I think that one thing people can agree that did happen was him having a go off um, Jaco paper after the game um I get people have emotions high after the game. I know I certainly have. Referees can take the brunt of that. I know I certainly have that in me as well. It's not a good thing. Um, but I think for a player of Johnny Sexton's status, and especially for a fellow who wasn't involved on the day, who was in the stands, I feel that um, he will come to regret it. Um, I, I think it's something that doesn't reflect well on him. Um, as much as I can understand being fucking steaming at a referee after a game, but uh, I think it's something that he'll really need to um, that probably there'll be an apology due one way or the other maybe he's already done it but um, yeah it's like it's uh, you only end up clowning yourself that way either immediately or in the aftermath because referees as a group of of, of, of people in this game do not like feeling like some fella is going to come up to them and fuck them out of it after a game that only ever hurts you in the long run and it'll hurt Leinster in the long run if that festers so yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a pity. Like you wouldn't want to see a guy of his generational talent, of his importance to Irish rugby, kind of having that towards the end of his career. But like, he won't be remembered for it. Like this is a storm in a teacup, really. But like, it's that it's just something a little bit I think unseemly. I think would be the best word for it. Anyway, thank you very much for listening in. I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff this week, building up to Munster versus Stormers in the URC Grand Final. I will have an article coming out uh, later on about the uh, Leinster La Rochelle game. Some of the interesting tactical bits I picked up from that, and uh, yeah, building to the fucking main event Munster, which is URC Grand Final this Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be having stuff meetups in Car uh, Limerick. I think in Cork maybe as well, Dublin and London. If you're in a secret club or a TRK subscriber, um, I will be sending out some places where you can go and hang out with like-minded individuals. So uh, I'll be coming on with that maybe on later on Monday or on Tuesday. So I'll let you know. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a TRK subscriber. I will talk to you again very, very soon.